0: I'm Alex Marlowe, Editor-in-Chief of Breitbart News, and this is the Breitbart News Daily Podcast. We start the show with massive immigration news. Joey the Biden removed the Title 42 border restrictions, or at least he's about to, which means not only will we be seeing a massive influx of illegal immigration, but these aliens will have the COVID. Not a joke. I explained the latest effort of our ruling class to light ourselves on fire in the opening of the show. The trans hysteria continues. The Biden administration is acknowledging Trans Visibility Day. The trans were not visible to Joey during the first 117 years of his life, but hey, better late than never. The White House is also planning a celebration for the trans Jeopardy champion who set all sorts of women's records, even though he's a man. A year and a half after the Hunter Biden laptop contents were revealed to the public, CNN is finally acknowledging it's legit. It's irritating, but it's still a positive development because perhaps this is connected to the ongoing federal investigations into Hunter Biden. Or maybe it's just that the CNN Plus streaming network is flopping spectacularly and they need to mix it up, but I bet it's the former. Also, there are more scary details of the creepiness of woke Disney executives More evidence emerges that Kentonji Brown Jackson really does have a soft spot for child sex predators, and the World Health Organization wants coronavirus restrictions to last longer than the virus itself. Plus, so much more in the opening of the show. We have two guests today on the podcast. The first is Adam Laxalt, who is almost certainly going to be the Republican Senate nominee to take on Catherine Cortez Masto in Nevada this November, and John Binder, our reporter who covers fashion and immigration, and we get him to opine on the irrelevance of the Oscars, and of course, Title 42 and just how bad this move is by Joey. We'll get into all of that right after a word from our sponsors. I will start with that aforementioned, probably the biggest story of the day, and that is the indication that the White House is going to be ending what is known as Title 42 border protections. Title 42 is a uh, right the United States has to expel or remove any persons who have recently been in countries where a communicable disease was present. Now, the coronavirus is not gone. And I will tell you, you can make the case that coronavirus is actually maybe coming back. The death rate, rolling death rate for the last week is actually higher than it was at this time last year. Um, cases, which I don't believe are even being calculated at the same rate, um, nor do I think the death toll is being calculated at the same rate. I have reason to doubt the, the current data, which I should probably should get into coming up in a greater detail, but I do have reason to doubt that data, uh, are still about half what they were. And, you know, personally, anecdotally, I've got more people in my life with coronavirus now than um, many other points over the last couple of years. So it's something that I'm in my personal life. I was just expressing to Mrs. Dr. Marlow yesterday how I'm concerned that uh, we could be heading towards a, a, a more infringements on freedom. Uh, we spent a bit of time on yesterday's show talking about how massive coronavirus lockdowns in Shanghai, China, uh, we think are designed partially at Breitbart at a, at a minimum to try to convince the West to shut down and to get afraid of the virus shut down, which hurts their economy. And by their meaning ours and elsewhere in the West as well. Because, you know, people like uh, Anthony Fauci, might, uh, he might like the idea of a lockdown, China's lockdown victims, by the way, are running out of food. So it's the, and the regime is worried about computer chips. So that's not a good sign. Um, so anyway, that's a, a Title 42 protects the United States from even more influx of illegal migrants. And even though it's not a done deal, allegedly, the Associated Press says the plan for Joe Biden is to drop the Title 42 border protections. Um, And it would be opposed by some Democrats even, including Senators Mark Kelly and uh, Kirsten Sinema. And Kelly's uh, is uh, a key vote that's coming up because he faces an election in November where Democrats can do very poorly. And uh, it's one of these ones where the... Uh, it, it, it is, it is pretty amazing to see the footage that we've seen recently from the border of people flooding the border anyway, as we always do with our cartel chronicles, uh, vertical that's run by Brandon Darby for us at Breitbart. We constantly get footage, exclusive footage of people flooding the border. We had some yesterday that was pretty shocking. But it is madness right now to do this. Migrants rushing a U.S. port of entry after a riot in a Mexican holding facility. On the front page of Breitbart right now. If you want to check some out. We have something like this just about every day. And it's just bedlam. They're just running up up a highway. Going down the wrong side of the road. Because they're, they're making the proverbial run for the border. And not the one that involves eating fast food tacos. This is the real one. So now we're going to make it easier for you to migrate illegally in the country. When we already have a situation where... It is the economy is in the the worst spot. It's been in a while. So I guess the uh, globalist right also is not inclined to stop this because they like the illegal migrants, because it helps them uh, drive down wages of Americans, and wages of Americans are going to go up. And I think that's part of why this is happening. Maybe it's the only reason why it's happening. Um, even the White House has acknowledged that this is going to lead to a big influx of illegal migration. The White House warned an influx of migrants after Title IV restrictions are lifted. Charlie Spearing writes for us yesterday at Breitbart News. We have every expectation that when the CDC ultimately decides appropriate to lift Title 42, there will be an influx of people to the border, according to White House Communications Director Kate Bedingfield. So then why do you guys want this? Of all the issues we have right now, why are you encouraging this? This was a ticket for us to rein in illegal migration to a small degree, plus rein in coronavirus to a small degree. And it's just clown stuff from our press pool that there's no pressure that's placed on this. Absolute clown town, our press pool. Um... The field said that the Biden administration is working steadily to bring more migrants, especially children, into the country. I imagine it's not just illegal migrants in that case, but it is certainly a lot of migrants, however you can get them. It's a disturbing thing. 500,000 migrants per month expected at the border once Title 42 is gone. Border chief Alejandro Mayorkas and his progressive deputies are warning Americans to expect a huge inflow of economic migrants if Title 42 is dropped, according to Neil Monroe, for us The Brightport News. And there, uh, he goes into detail that up to 500,000 people per month or more migrants than American births in a month. The southern flood would exacerbate the economic damage already caused by the flood of roughly 1 million illegal immigrants and perhaps perhaps 400,000 new visa workers. What are we doing here? Does it even mean anything to be an American at this point? Is it What does it mean? We are just treating ourselves like we are a landmass between Mexico and Canada and the rich oligarchs who run our country. They like the idea of keeping the border open and that's what they're, that's what they're doing by any means necessary. We looked it up. We already believe there's well north of a million illegal migrants that have come in, illegal aliens, who've come into the country since um, Joe Biden was president, and that's with the Title Forty Two restrictions on. In some border wall that Trump built. This is again the problem with focusing on, um, you know, borders halfway around the world and other things that have gotten us distracted over the last year. There is a bit of a trap element to it because again, we could talk about immigration all day, every day. And we've done it before. Uh, Those of you who uh, don't recall, the open borders agenda was ascendant, not just in the Democrat party, but in the Republican party as well. That was the big takeaway from the 2012 election. Uh, The Republicans put out this autopsy report where they needed greater support for amnesty, legal immigration, et cetera. And the Republican establishment still rides to that, to the beat of that drummer. George W. Bush met with illegal aliens to promote amnesty after snubbing angel families. John Bender wrote about this at Breitbart. I'll talk to him about this when he's on the show. But, you know, the Bush family, which yields a lot of power, Particularly in Texas, but also with the Republican establishment. Don't like meeting with the Angel families, families that were killed by illegal aliens or had someone in them killed by illegal aliens. But he's very happy to uh, meet with uh, uh, illegal alien families. And I'm not saying I'm sure he, could, he couldn't find a compelling story in there worth a meet. I'm not even saying it. I'm just saying that what is the message that it sends right now when we've opened borders? The message sends there will be bleeding hearts, even on the Republican side, who are prepared to embrace you with open arms, even though you disparage our country. Okay. Not great. Not great at all. So that's what I think is the biggest one. I'll go through a couple other things that I think are big. Since we're on coronavirus a little bit, I will note the World Ho- World Health Organization led by a guy named Dr. Tedros, who's not a medical doctor. The same organization that thought the coronavirus wasn't communicable, ignoring what Taiwan was telling them for a month, allowing, allowing it to spread around the world so that they would not offend China has warned that social surveillance must remain in place even as coronavirus cases are dropping around the world. So even as we see the cases drop to a degree, the World Health Organization wants the lockdowns around for as much as they can. Because they think concerns about things like war, famine, flood, inflation, and soaring energy prices that are due to climate change. Might be a good reason to keep people under wraps just a little bit longer just to make sure. So just note that these people who are unelected globalists. Backed by these international super states, they're part of them. That's where they get their legitimacy and most of their money. Don't think that they're going to stop the medical surveillance state. That's what they want. That is the plan. And just note that so long as there is any claim that there's some sort of climate change in the country, that's where we're going to go next. And do, they don't need to say climate change for you to know that's what it's all about. They want the climate lockdowns. This is their ticket to usurping the rest of the freedoms that you have left. So, the, And uh, this will be a topic over and over again. The Democrats are going to have a hearing on gas prices and they're already sending a signal that the uh that the goal of the hearing is to hold accountable gouging at the gas station by oil companies. Oil companies are the problem. CEOs of Chev- Chevron, ExxonMobil, presidents of Shell USA and BP America as well as some other Oil and natural gas CEOs will be in the hot seat. But the Democrats have already put out a message that fossil fuel companies are not doing enough to relieve pain at the pump instead of lining their pockets with one hand while sitting on the other. It's time we get to the bottom of why oil companies are content to watch Americans suffer. so Their shareholders and executives can reap enormous profits. The same people who will not let us drill and expand pipelines have the nerve to say this stuff. They lie to you all the time. This is why I say that I'm very annoyed by the people who are anti-woke and don't want to be woke and understand that leftism is making America less fun, less free, less creative, less enjoyable. Um, the, 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 They don't like that and in less uh, pro-science, but they still vote for Democrats because they still believe Democrat good, Republican bad. How is this good? They're saying that all of a sudden, gas companies and oil companies decided they would get really greedy just in the last couple of months. And they weren't greedy before, but it's really just been the last couple of months. And what are they doing about it to alleviate our stress? They're calling a hearing to browbeat and chastise people. I'm not saying I'm some big fan of these oil companies. I mean, I'm, I'm all right with them. I don't feel like that they're, you know, particularly virtuous. But it didn't just dawn on all of them coincidentally that we're just going to start gouging people now. It's evidence-free. There There's no evidence. The evidence is that we don't drill enough and we have massive Biden inflation and there's turmoil all around the world in some places that produce oil and um, natural gas. That's the issue. pretty remarkable that they're they've got this sort of nerve but maybe that's all they've got left because everything just seems to be the walls seem to be closing in i guess the one thing that they've got going for them is it looks like the kentonji brown jackson nominee nomination is heading towards a happy conclusion for democrats thanks to susan collins who's so often a disappointment she's saying she's a yes vote um, which means basically all the Democrats need to do is not lose any Democrats and they'll get this across the finish line. Despite the fact that there is more and more evidence that she's just soft on pedophilia, it's just there, there, there's no other way to put it. It's disturbing. The more we learn about her, the more we see disturbing stuff. We had an exclusive story where we broke down the numbers and she sentenced child porn offenders to nearly 60% less than the national average. How is that not disqualifying? Why do the Democrats and why does Susan Collins, why are they comfortable with people who are soft on child porn? I would like to ask them a question. I would like to ask her a question. I would like, like to ask all of them a question. How do you create child porn? How is it done? Do you know how it's done? Because if you're going soft on anyone who's using it, then you're going soft on the people who are creating it. And it's being created by people who rape children. But maybe that's not front and center for a lot of the country now. Maybe that's just not as big of a deal. We saw uh, we saw what's going on with Disney yesterday. I won't reiterate all of it too much. Um, but you guys all should check out yesterday's show, uh, the opening of the show. Available by podcast. Those of you who are not subscribers, I appreciate if you do subscribe. Bright Bart News Daily Podcast. But we got into this footage that was leaked footage of an all hands on deck Disney meeting where middle manager after middle manager plus executives all played into this LGBTQ plus IA ampersand pregnant man emoji apostrophe number two dollar sign uh, movement, whatever it is. And they were saying one executive who's got a pansexual child was upset about LGBTQIA representation says she's going to do something about it. So many examples of people standing up and saying that they're going to have canonical non-binary characters, whatever that means. And their diversity, equity, and inclusion manager says they will no longer say ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls at uh, Disney, which was a classic quote that um, Mickey used to say, where he would say "Hello, boys and girls," in his Mickey voice. I'm tempted to do the Mickey voice. I do the Mickey voice at home; and it's pretty good. I don't have the guts this morning, though. I should do a whole segment as Mickey. Um, my kids sometimes, Master Marlowe, Master Marlowe Junior. Uh, they like for me to have a conversation between Mickey and uh, Goofy while I do both voices. It's fun. But not supposed to say boys and girls anymore because, hey, what's a boy and what's a girl? Who's to say? I mean, the people in the giant mouse outfits at Disney, these people aren't biologists. And if they are, then good for them. Moonlighting is, you know, Minnie Mouse, but they're really biologists. That's an impressive person. Um, So that's what's happening. So maybe it's not a shock that people like Kintanji Brown Jackson as for a Supreme Court. Um, a couple other things I want to throw out there at the outset, uh, CNN finally realized the Hunter Biden laptop is real. What's interesting about this timing, and I was asking uh, Emma Jo Morris, who is our reporter by part of news, she's our editor, political editor who broke all those stories when she was at the New York post before I poached her away. <laughs> Sorry obnoxious, totally obnoxious to say it like that. Um, But uh, she was um, broke all the stories in the New York Post. It was called a Russian agent, Russian disinformation. And I asked her why she thought CNN was finally doing this. And, you know, Politico, New York Times as well. 532 days, we counted, after the laptop from hell was authenticated. And you might recall that CNN um, referred to the Breitbart rabbit hole on a private call with their executives and their editors when the laptop came out. And this was leaked, and James O'Keefe broke the story of Project Veritas. that They referred to the Breitbart rabbit hole. That's why they wouldn't play up the, the story. And now they finally admit it's real. And then uh, you guys might recall my favorite slash least favorite reporter, a lady named Natasha Bertrand, who wrote this story about how there were 50 intel officers who said it was Russian disinfo for Politico. Of course, all of them were wrong, and many of them were known deep staters with known anti-Trump agendas, but she just writes it up because she's a deep state stenographer. She got hired by CNN, so which was a better job than whatever her last job was, I think, was at Politico. So now she gets to be on um, you know, the most trusted name in news after writing a story that hyped this as russian disinfo so cnn has been as bad as anyone on this and now all of a sudden it dawned on them and then i saw another story over at cnn this is an actual cnn headline from yesterday federal investigation of hunter biden heats up whoa here's the lead sentence a justice department investigation into hunter biden's business activities has gained steam in recent months with a flurry of witnesses providing testimony to federal investigators and more expected to provide interviews in the coming weeks, according to multiple sources familiar with the matter. Wow. So maybe that's why CNN is acknowledging it's real now. Because someone gave word to them that this federal investigation in Hunter Biden is probably going to yield something. Interesting, right? I'm interested. I'm intrigued. Right, a couple more to bring to your attention at this time. A couple more. Um, uh, army recruiting, uh, I'm sorry, Army reducing its numbers in the face of recruiting difficulties. A horrifying story from Christina Wong. Army this week admitted it was having problems recruiting and announced an unprecedented reduction in its numbers that would shrink the active duty army to its smallest size since World War II. So. Of course, we don't need probably as many active-duty people at this time because we're not in a, as many wars. Um, the wars are fought in different style; They're fought asymmetrically. It's not like we have a lot of ground troops that are necessary relative to, past, to the past. But how many of you think this has to do with the fact that uh, we have all these woke generals that make the army seem not like a good place, and we have all these mandates that are anti-science and uh, make young, healthy people force themselves to get medicine that some of them don't want to take. How many of you think it has to do with that? I do. Because we saw um, more than 4,000 requesting a religious exemption and only two were granted so far, according to Army statistics, for the vaccines. 2,735 flat out got a rejection at this point. And the Supreme Court's cool with it so far. You know I find this to be very disturbing. I don't think that we are behaving as though there is another war that we will ever have to fight that will be a real necessary war and we just can't live that way. I think that's how we're going to get war we're going to get war if we're not sending a signal to the world that we're prepared for war right. Another interesting one that Joel Pollock had for us, a reparations panel in California, which was a free state, by the way, voted five to four to limit benefits for descendants of slaves. So state panel considered reparations for slavery in California. Gavin Newsom wanted it, which entered the Union 1850 as a free state and had, you know, a handful of people then voted only five to four on Tuesday to limit the benefits for those who could actually show they were descended from slaves and not all who could and and not all who happen to be black so maybe that's part of it maybe they wanted people who believe in systemic racism i wonder if that's the case i got to dig into that because some people who believe in systemic racism believe it's not even necessary to get reparations just for slavery you can get reparations because of you know the systemic racism that is still pervades our society Though, how a free state would give out reparations and go to the effort to try to track down everyone, try to determine whether or not people qualify. Um, But it was pitched as something that Newsom wanted to be a paradigm that we hope will resonate across the United States. And four of the nine people on the panel said, yes, we want to give reparations, even though we were a free state. Um, And the panel did not appear to have any white or Hispanic uh, members, which is interesting. So this is yeah, there there was a dispute and I don't know exactly if anyone voted against it for this reason, but there was a dispute on whether or not the panel should include um, just descendants of slaves or others as well. That's so great. So maybe it wasn't woke enough. Maybe the reparation from a free state wasn't actually woke enough. That's so cool. Happy stuff out of California. Yikes. All right, I will mention the Will Smith stuff because it's just it's, it's too, too juicy, too juicy to ignore. Yesterday, or I guess it was two days ago. Um, no, I'm, I'm going to skip that one. I, I, I wanna, I'm going to bring up just, uh, I'm, gonna, I'm cutting to the chase. So the Academy met to determine the fate of Will Smith. And apparently Will Smith was asked to leave the Oscars ceremony, and but he refused to do so. So remember, the Academy started looking into Will Smith's slap heard around the world of Chris Rock. And the Academy of Motion Pictures, Arts, and Sciences, trying to figure out what to do with him. Obviously, what he did goes far beyond what they've expelled other people from the Academy for. And I believe that they've rescinded awards for less as well. Though I admit I didn't care enough to look that up. Um, but I know that they've expelled people from the academy for less. But they did, according to a report from the Hollywood Reporter, they did ask Smith to leave and he didn't leave. So it is when you have inappropriate contact and abusive or threatening behavior, it compromises the integrity of the academy. Yeah, no kidding. So they're trying to come up with discipl- disciplinary proceedings. This is the proverbial win win, in my opinion. Either Will Smith gets thrown out, in my opinion, and then you've got a scenario where a guy got what he deserved and justice pervades, prevails, or you've got a situation where Hollywood even beclowns itself even further by refusing to discipline Will Smith because he's Will Smith, like where we know a Mel Gibson would have been out yesterday. So I just think it's hilarious that they have to choose between those options. Ooh, Remember the Oscars so white? Controversy? Imagine kicking Will Smith out. That's going to be fun. Uh, Chris Rock did a comedy show. Audience members were yelling, F Will Smith, not a shock. Um, he indicated he addressed it. There's some audio that we have up at Brightbird.com. I don't need to play it. He says he's still processing it. And if there was any evidence that it was staged... I think it kind of went by the wayside with, with the way the the academy is handling it. The academy is certainly handling it like it was not staged, like it was very violent. Um, but I will note that if there is anyone who maybe has a piece of evidence that it was, is Chris Rock, because Chris Rock is going to sell a lot of tickets to his shows. So, um, but I guess he deserves it. He I mean, he handled it pretty well. You have to admit that that was uh, it was impressive the way he handled it. He did handle it like a pro. The joke was terrible, but he certainly handled the slap like a pro. So for the record, I don't think it was staged as I've gone through over the show the last few days. New York Times columnist Roxanne Gay said that Jada Pinkett Smith shouldn't have to tolerate jokes at her expense, nor should you. There have been a lot of jokes about Roxanne Gay over the past as well. So she is um, one of these people who's been anointed uh, is a some sort of a intellectual beacon gets a lot of good book deals um you know podcasts master classes people like um people have ever decided she's some uh f- feminist icon and she's saying uh the time of, of taking a joke is over you don't need to take a joke I'm not sure we want to live in a society where we're not teaching people to be resilient. This is something that I've noticed over the years is that we used to teach people to be resilient with their character and now we teach people to be babies with their character. That It is okay to throw tantrums in public so long as you don't like some of the jokes that are made at your expense. I'm not sure that's better. All right, Adam Laxalt joins the show. He's kind of cakewalking through his Republican Senate primary in Nevada, and he'll have a tough race with Catherine Cortez Masto in Nevada coming up this November, but he's another example of one of these guys who is basically running the Breitbart MAGA playbook and is just dominating his primary race in the process. So it's good to hear, and I think you're going to like a lot of what he has to say. Let's roll it. Adam, great to have you back on the broadcast, and let me just get your 30,000-foot reaction to the Kentonji Brown-Jackson nomination and how you think the hearings went.
1: Well, thanks for having me on, Alex. Well, let, let's start with the fact that this entire process is has been basically a lie from the beginning. She's been packaged as this centrist, this mainstream candidate. And uh, I, I hope enough of the public has seen over the last many weeks that there's no question she's a leftist. There's no question that she has a radical leftist personal worldview, as well as her judicial philosophy, uh, questions she avoided, you know, basically uh, a million times in the hearings. Um, and then when you add all of this, uh, you know, the, the, the nine cases on how she approached uh, dealing with pedophiles, uh, that you, you add to all that her soft on crime approach, uh, which is exactly what, you know, we've seen out of the left now for a very, very long time. Um, and it's just I think it's just offensive that the media goes into overdrive to cover this stuff up. I know my opponent, Senator Catherine Cortez Masto, you said this was debunked and she doesn't have a soft on crime record. And I think Senator Cruz did the, a crystal clear job having her on the stand saying, you have exactly nine cases in this particular area of criminal law. And all nine, you went well below sentencing guidelines. And so, you know, like I said, the the media and all the other Democrats on the committee dutifully kept saying this isn't her whole record. This is absolutely her whole record on this line of cases. And so uh, I'm I'm grateful to the senators that have pushed this uh, and continue to push this. Because uh, we need to do everything we can to stop this. I would certainly be a no on this nomination if I were representing my state today. Uh, and, you know, unfortunately, she's likely to get two yes votes out of our two Democrat senators in Nevada.
0: It is interesting that this is an issue where you would think there would be some bipartisan appeal. You would think there are some Democrats out there who are concerned about this record. We had a report yesterday at Breitbart that her average sentence for a child sex predator was around 60% lower than average. I mean, you would think that right there, you would lose a vote or two, but, uh, well, but they're still battening down the hatches and acting like this nomination must go through. I don't even understand it. It's not like Joe Biden wouldn't get to pick the next person. It's very strange to me.
1: You know, it, it, I have the exact same sentiment. I mean, this, this is really crazy that this thing is moving forward and that there isn't more opposition Because, you know, I I think there's a a concern on our side of, quote-unquote, going after this nominee and it being in any way viewed as unfair. And my response to that is this is 100% an attack on her record. And if you can't go after someone's record in the nomination process to be a lifetime judge – then, you know, what, what's the process for? And, and you know, yes, uh, you know, they do not want to go down this road of going the Kavanaugh hearings, but no one is going personal on her. No one is attacking her for something that she did when she was in high school. They're going after her record that is all within the last 10 years. And so uh, I certainly think it's something that we need to keep pushing. And I know there's numbers... A number of days more of hearings. And and, and the other reason this is so important for our side to push is it puts a spotlight on the left's worldview on law and order. I mean, this is one of the biggest issues I have in my state right now. You know, crime is up. People do not feel safe. People are upset. Well, why is this stuff going on in our country? It's going on because of the attack on our police, the lies that started in 2020 about systemic racism and, and going after uh, these you know, our men and women in law enforcement. And as a result, it has hurt our law enforcement communities. It's hurt recruitment. It's hurt their ability to actually keep our communities safe. And so this is all a worldview that she is coming from. She's, she's an embodiment of this leftist worldview. And now she's about to reach the pinnacle of the judicial system coming right out of, this, out of this sector. And we should be talking about it every day, all day, because it's going to continue to highlight to Americans, this is who the president put up. This is the wor- a, a person that has this worldview. That's who he wants to have a lifetime seat on the, uni- on the U.S. Supreme Court.
0: And the lifetime nature of the seat exact is exactly why this stuff is so serious and why, even if we're not going to agree with whoever Biden puts forward, Adam, I, 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 it just seems like this is just a, a, this is just a bridge too far for me. And you would think that all the Republicans would agree on this. But then you get folks like Susan Collins, who said she's going to back the nomination, uh, Senator Mitt Romney, who you would serve with if you win your race. Uh, He was criticizing Republicans for not being sufficiently respectful. Uh, I'm not trying to rag on Mitt more than I usually do, but do you have a reaction to that, especially given the Kavanaugh hearings and the way uh, Justice Kavanaugh was treated? Were the Republicans sufficiently disrespectful in your view?
1: Well, I guess my first reaction is, you know, I would hope the senators on our side would at least wait till all the hearings are done. Um, You know, it's 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 pretty clear uh, that, you know, some of this information has been coming late and the White House has held a lot of information. And so, I mean, something this important. I don't know how you don't wait till at least the end of a very fast process to make your decision. And so I hope they still have an open mind as more stuff may roll out in the next few days. Uh, But, you know, as far as this you know, personal attack side. And I could tell you our voters uh, are not happy with a kid-glove approach. Uh, you know, we keep – I know everyone keeps talking about Kavanaugh and just that, that obviously is one of the biggest sure. travesties you've, you've ever seen. But, but we've, we've, we've skipped the Amy Comey-Barrett hearings, yeah, which were very personal in nature. And Agreed. there was nothing to attack her on her record. Or her uh, accomplishments, or her professional background—you know—they went after her for being a conservative Catholic, and uh, and so I don't know why our side thinks that we're going to get points for uh, you know being nicer, softer, kinder, and gentler to Democrat nominees, or that somehow we think, well, next time we put up our nominee, maybe they'll be nice to ours, because uh, we know they're not going to be nice to ours. We know they will do whatever it takes. And since Justice Thomas is in the news, you know, let's go back to that. That was one of the biggest travesties of all time, the way they manufactured that case and they went after him and embarrassed him. Why? Simply because he was an African-American conservative and they did not want the first African-American justice to be nominated by a Republican and to have a conservative worldview. And, um, and so they've been doing this since, you know, ever, ever, your listeners not, may not be familiar with Judge Bork, uh, but it became a, a famous line of being borked. I mean, they have been doing this for a very long time, and I, I don't believe in this kind of de-escalation process that somehow uh, is going to make the Democrats be nice the next go-round.
0: Adam Laxalt's with me, Republican Senate candidate in Nevada. If you want to support his campaign, you can go to adamlaxalt.com. He's endorsed by President Trump, Ron DeSantis, Mark Levin, Mike Pompeo, and a bunch of others as well. So pretty impressive list. Um, I I want to talk about recidivism with sex offenders. This is one thing that has always boggled my mind, that people think that you can go to jail for three months and then all of a sudden your sexual preferences will change. Um, It seems like one of the... Most stupid things that we just embrace as a society unquestioningly, and Cantagiro Brown Jackson is a number one in this regard.
1: Yeah, well, look, she she um, she she showed some empathy for you know, quote unquote, these people that are shunned by society, and you're absolutely right. This is one of the highest recidivism areas in all of the criminal justice system, and so her her backwards logic of something like well um you know this is going to be a repeat offender anyhow so we, we may as well shorten the sentence it's like no you should have maxed this person out and gone beyond the federal sentencing max guidelines and so uh if she knew which it sounded like on one of her one of her testimonies she knew that this is a higher recidivism area there is absolutely no excuse to go light on that person. These people almost never, never uh, get rehabilitated. And the only thing we can hope for, for all of our children, I have a nine year old daughter, a five year old daughter, uh, a, fi- a five year old boy, and now a two month year old daughter. I don't want these people out there. I do not want these people getting slaps on the wrist like Judge Brown gave uh, that, that, that one terrible rapists crossing state lines. And so we need judges to take this seriously. And by the way, we need prosecutors to take this seriously. And so the whole system, we have to keep pressure. We have to keep this issue at the forefront because the left continues to try to reduce all of the sentencing and reduce the prosecutions, not only in the, the, the pedophile, and the serial rapist space, but you know, all across the spectrum of of, of law and order.
0: Yeah, I want to talk to you about uh, the children in general as well. Uh, and I wonder uh, when, you're, when your when uh, your youngest was born, because I've got a two month old daughter as well. Maybe they got around the same same birthday. Uh, but the, the the I want to ask you about what's going on with Disney. This has been the hottest topic of the day, and what's happening in Florida. Um, with this fake don't say gay bill, which is, has nothing to do with saying gay. It has to do with preventing uh, children from getting indoctrinated into a hysterical movement to try to sexualize our youngest people. And there's an uproar within the ranks of Disney in particular that we need to start interjecting more gender non-binary and LGBTQ plus IA characters into children's programming Uh, it's just very interesting timing that we're watching this supreme court justice go through a confirmation process where she's clearly gone soft on uh, child predators and then now we're seeing one of america's most iconic companies essentially embrace the mass sexualization of children Uh, what's going on here and how do we fight back
1: well look i think what you've seen out of the last few days out of disney and 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 the rest of the woke left army uh is proof positive of why desantis put forward this bill and why they needed this bill I And mean, why in the world are they fighting so hard for the ability to indoctrinate kids from age kindergarten through third grade why are they fighting i should say against this bill if it were not because they want to be able to indoctrinate kids at these ages. And so I can't imagine there's more than, but well, there can't be virtually any parents that would actually support the indoctrination by strangers of their children in schools. And so even if there's 20% of Americans, uh, you can almost guarantee none of those are parents or still parents. They're just, you know, your classic coastal radical leftists. Um, and so, uh, you know, kudos to, to DeSantis for, for signing this bill and then for going on offense. I mean, he's got to be one of the only governors, uh, certainly in modern history, to stand up to the woke left. And once they came with all their fire and fury, uh, he just doubled, tripled down and started going on offense on Disney and spotlighting its record and spotlighting its hypocrisy. And so, you know, we as a, as a party need to do a lot better at going on offense. Uh, these leftists have a lot to be uh, called out for. And, um, you know, we, we need to just find ways to continue to be on offense. And hopefully DeSantis has shown other governors and other leaders across the country. I think he did it clearly with COVID – And now in in a situation like this that you can win, you can stand up for your people, you can stand up for parents and kids, and in the end of the day, uh, you can not only be victorious, but people will support you.
0: You're a veteran, and I want to ask you about a couple of geopolitical issues. First of all, what do you think is the biggest geopolitical issue facing America right now?
1: Well, I think that, you know, it is crazy timing that we ended up in uh, a Russia-Ukraine situation when for the last few years, starting with President Trump, we're very much trying to turn the focus to China and make people understand that China is clearly our biggest threat and dwarfs the threat that Russia would pose to Western Europe or, or to America And so, you know, for me, there's no question China is still our biggest threat and we need to be get serious about what our comprehensive approach is towards being able to meet that threat. You know, as as for for the conflict we're in right now, um, you know, is just what a proof positive of what the world looks like when you have weak leadership in the White House and as someone who served in Iraq and you know, watched what happened in Afghanistan and watched, you know, detainees being released, watch us giving up the airfield, getting troops out first, which led to the death of our service members. I mean, that was a pivotal moment in, in, in the world uh, when they got to size up President Joe Biden, realizing that this guy was not up for the job. It certainly made us less safe. And, you know, as I always say, I I don't agree with any of this guy's policies. I don't agree with any of their worldview. But I do want a Democrat or Republican commander in chief to be able to at least keep our troops safe, do the right thing, make the right decisions and not put our put our troops in harm's way. And, uh, you know, he proved Uh, Not only President Biden, but the chain of command proves that they're incapable of that. And so, as I like to say, I'm a hard no on ground troops in a place like Ukraine, not only because I don't think our people think that this is enough in our personal interest to put troops on the ground and risk our own troops' lives, but number two— because who in the world will turn their kids over to this military chain of command and think that they could do a good job in putting them in harm's way? I certainly don't. Uh, and, and that's that's a big risk for us moving forward, because now uh, any other dictator in the world has to view the next few years as an opportune time to take advantage of America.
0: I wanted to ask you about a story we had at Breitbart yesterday, where army the army is reducing its numbers in the face of recruiting difficulties. Uh, this is, I think, this is a pretty alarming headline. Uh, there's myriad reasons why we have recruiting difficulties: the woke generals, the COVID protocols, um, the fact that I, I think there's some distrust in our leadership. But this is not. Uh, this is making us more vulnerable, I believe. But Adam, I want your take.
1: Well, I didn't see your headline, but I can tell you I've been talking about this since I got in this race. I've been talking this room after room in the state of Nevada, how worried I, I am that you think about someone that is going to be 18 years old and sign up to put a uniform be willing to fight and die for our country, and at the same time our service branches are basically going after the exact type person, that is willing to do that. As I always say out there on the road, it's not woke leftist kids from Seattle that are signing up to serve our country. And so if this is their goal is to make sure that the military is woke, guess what? The people aren't going to sign up for this thing. And so I hadn't seen these new recruiting numbers. I have been predicting. I have been predicting that it's, it's naturally going to go down. And by the way, if you're going to, Do between the COVID mandates and the military investigations of basically looking for Trump voters and the military. It's like, okay. well, if that's the route we're going, I'm not really sure who's going to be left in uniform. And so uh, it's very dangerous. Uh, I certainly when I win this race, this is going to be a top issue for me. I hope to be able to press this and make this the front of Americans' minds, because I know we'd have the support of the people on this. I know that people were asked that whether these should be priorities or whether our priority needs to be military readiness. Every decision should be what makes our military force the strongest and ability to keep our country safe. And I know we'd have the support of the people on that, put a lot of pressure on Democrats on this and this radical culture inside the services
0: adam laxalt again is with me adamlaxalt.com for his campaign website republican in nevada uh, and he uh, you have a primary you're well ahead in your primary race so assuming you get through that and you face katherine cortez masto in the general uh, give me something i mean this is obviously mostly maga audience brightboard audience but give me something for uh, that if they have friends and family members in nevada who might be voting uh, what's something that you might say to someone who is not necessarily uh, a, a diehard MAGA type that might convince them that you're the guy and not Catherine Cortez Mastow? Uh,
1: yeah, look, we're very fortunate. to We have 40 points against the nearest competitor in the primary. Um, and, you know, I, I, I was the, this, one of the strongest, most conservative attorney generals in our history. And obviously chaired president trump's campaign and so i don't want to gloss over that i'm grateful for that i'm grateful to have support of of so many great republicans across our state Um, as far as the general election we did have a poll last week that had us up seven against masto 47 40 and i think the reality is that you know senator masto packages herself up as a moderate and you know this is what these democrats do They know in tight swing states that their left wing policies aren't actually popular. Um, But so so they'll tell the voters one thing. But the reality is she votes with Chuck Schumer 98 percent of the time. And what I like to say in nearly every room I'm in Nevada, you would know if she was a moderate, because guess what? She'd be all over the news at one time with Joe Manchin. And you've never seen her in the news because she never breaks from her party. And so at a time when Joe Biden is at 34% and we are living, breathing the policies and the results of leftist leadership every single day in America, she is 100% lockstep with that policies, And no one wants that. No one in our state wants that. We are the second highest state of gas in America. We are higher than Hawaii, which is an island. Um, And so it's an all-time high for our state. You add inflation. You add the increase in in, in crime. You add open borders, which she supports. You add the critical race theory, which she refused to vote for the defunding of uh, a few months ago. She's bad on all of the issues. And that's the main thing I would say to Nevada voters. Don't let her get away with pretending like she's a moderate because she's never stood with Nevada on these important issues and broken from her party.
0: Adam Laxalt, thanks again for the time and uh, best of luck to you. One of the most fun guests we have regularly on the broadcast is John Binder, who covers two of my favorite topics immigration and fashion. Well, I guess fashion maybe isn't one of my favorites, but I like when Breitbart is able to distinguish itself in a cultural realm. Uh, And I talked to him about how the red carpet that was uh, one of the most fun parts of the Oscars is now non existent in American life, at least on a cultural level, and also the immigration policies of Joe Biden seem to continually get worse. By the minute, he breaks it all down for us and gives us all the reporting we need to know in this interview. Uh, John, we'll do fashion first because I don't know much, but it's a. I didn't hear one. I did not hear the word red carpet uttered this year with the Oscars. Is that because there was no red carpet because of coronavirus, which I guess wouldn't exist outside of the auditorium, but inside? It, it, wait, coronavirus is outside, but it's not inside because there were no masks or social distancing inside, uh, or is it just because no one cares?
2: Um, Well, it was because no one cares, mostly because of the Will Smith, Chris Rock fiasco. I, I imagine that's why you didn't hear anything about the red carpet. I'm sure no one even heard like about who the winners and losers were at the Oscars as well. It's probably a combination of those two
0: um i think that that's probably a combination of those two sure so so but where does that leave the fashion world john if the celebrities don't mean as much as they used to is the what is the state of the sort of high fashion haute couture what is the state of it right now
2: well it's not good and i was i was talking about this with someone because they were mentioning why is it that the red carpet um and these award shows aren't something that people look forward to as much because Also, people have kind of – people tend to have short memories, and when you think about the – like the Oscars, the Grammys back in the early 2000s, they were incredibly woke. Um, So much of the award shows in the early 2000s were um, riffs on the Bush administration, um, the wars, um, legalizing gay marriage was a huge issue at the time. And it was constantly, you know, equal pay for women, that kind of thing. It was constantly award speeches about those things. So it's been woke for some time. Um, the ratings were so much higher, though, because, I mean, you had people like Joan River standing on the red carpet mocking, <laughs> mocking the way people are dressed, which is, you know, I mean, that was like peak red carpet. It'll never get better than that. Um, But also the celebrities were so much bigger. You know, you had names like Patricia Arquette, uh, Julia Roberts show up every single year, you know, and a lot of the old Hollywood film stars were still alive back then. And they were going to those award shows every single year. And that has dwindled down so much. I mean, who was the biggest uh, named actress at this year's Oscars, it was probably Nicole Kidman, and she, well, wait a minute, she, wait, she, hold she,
0: on, John. John, a- actress. Mm-hmm. I mean, this implies you're a biologist. Like, how could you even determine whether or not she's an actress? Are you a biologist too? Because you have a lot of range. But if you, because I need some more science reporting. That's tough to do.
2: Yeah how how dare I? Excuse me, I should have said actor. Because um, that's what all Thank the you. actresses are calling themselves now. Yeah, gender now.
0: neutral actors. Appreciate that.
2: Um, but Nicole Kidman was probably the biggest. Hold on, producer Greg, there. can you
0: tell corporate we're not trying to misgender here? Because I just want to make sure. I want to cut this off at of the pass. I do not want to get thrown off the air mid-show because John Binder referred to Nicole Kidman as an actress. I, I do not want that to happen for us. Okay, we're on that. Okay, good. All right. Go ahead, John. But she,
2: she was she was probably the biggest name uh, in terms of actors at the Oscars and that speech and everyone knows who Nicole Kidman is. She's not like an underground movie star, but the thing is, is that it's kind of, it's dwindled. She, like there's no one at her level that was also there in terms of, in terms of actresses. Um, so that, that's a big part of it, aside from all of it being so woke. I mean, everyone attributes, well, the award shows are woke, so no one cares and you know all of that stuff, which is true. But it's a, it is a combination of all of these things. It, it's, it's hard to watch an award show when you don't even know who half of the people getting awards are.
0: um okay so john i want to turn to something that's serious and this is what i think is maybe the biggest story of the day which is the white house and the Biden administration dropping the title 42 immigration rules Uh, i set this up at the top of the show but i I want to hear you do it tell us exactly what these are and why this is a pretty big deal
2: yeah um so title 42 is a public health authority that was put in place by the Trump administration um, during the very beginning of COVID. um, And the goal was it's an authority that had never been used at the border before, even though um, it's clearly constitutional, legal, all of those things. Um, It's just that no one had deployed it before. And Trump used it at the border to allow border patrol agents to quickly remove, return, border crossers, and illegal aliens to their native countries. Um, It's been extremely helpful. It's removed hundreds of thousands, probably at this point, of border crossers and illegal aliens. And it, it, it streamlines the process in the name of public health. And truthfully, it's not even so much about COVID anymore. It really is about a broad range of diseases and viruses from around the world that experts on the issue of immigration had been warning about for quite some time. What about the public health crisis and issue at the US-Mexico border? I mean, California knows this very well because of all of the measles outbreaks that have occurred through the last two decades because of um, border crossers and illegal aliens being released into that state. Um, and so its its use has been incredibly helpful to U.S. Border Patrol, uh, and it's streamlined a lot of the process. Um, the Biden administration's wanting to suddenly end that authority, Title 42, uh, we know now would have huge impacts and Administration officials are admitting it. They're saying that potentially half a million border crossers and illegal aliens now could be arriving every month at the U.S.-Mexico border. I mean, that's the population of Atlanta, Georgia, at our border every single month uh, because of them wanting to rescind this.
0: All right. So, John, we know that the coronavirus is not gone. We know coronavirus is— here, the, the latest seven-day rolling count of cases is about half of what it was last year. Deaths are virtually the same as what they were last year. Um, I was saying earlier in the broadcast, anecdotally, I've got a few people in my life who have it right now. Well, why is the time to take off these restrictions? It just seems like they are trying to flood the country with illegal aliens.
2: Well, that's exactly right. I mean, they they had been faced with this question of, of lifting Title 42, Months and months ago. I mean, they were talking about doing this last year and they didn't because so many border state Democrats effectively asked them, please don't do this. I imagine they were lobbied by you know, the Border Patrol unions as well um, and had spoken to some DHS employees, including some top officials who probably privately were begging them not to lift Title 42 because they all understand the impact that it would have. And you're seeing the same thing now. I mean, Kirsten Cinema, Mark Kelly, um, Henry Queller, Vicente Gonzalez, even Mark Warner from Virginia. I mean, these are all Democrats and they're asking the administration, please do not lift Title 42 because our communities are going to be so overwhelmed. I mean, think Think about what's already happening at the border. There were two mil- over 2 million border crossers and illegals at our border last year. That's that's the population of Philadelphia. And those border communities, um, I mean, as you, you and I very well know from our trip down to the border, are the most impacted. They're the ones that have to deal with hundreds of thousands of people released into their neighborhoods. And they don't have the resources, of course, to deal with that.
0: So, we know they don't have the resources, so then why would we put them on a path? I mean, I guess you answered this, but I guess I answered it. But it just seems like we're, it it feels like there's something up here. Why would they do this now? It feels like they're trying to distract us. It, It can't be a popular thing, or is it? Is this something that there's some constituency of people? who love the idea of our country having even a bigger influx of illegal migrants?
2: Well, sure, there's a very small constituency. It's made up of big business and the open borders lobby. I mean, that's that's effectively who who is trying to lobby the administration to do this. And groups like Mark Zuckerberg's um, Forward.US, the George W. Bush Center, all of these groups have lobbied Biden please lift title 42 and why is that we know why that is it is to oversaturate the labor market with as many illegal alien workers as possible why why else would would the George W Bush center have any stake in lifting title 42 of course it's that it's it's to get more people released into the US interior
0: um, is there a recent polling on this immigration issue, John, because it just seems like one where the Democrats are already going to get a, a it's going to be a bloodbath in November anyway. And if we have a migrant crisis on top of all the other stuff, which we're already pretty much on the edge of that anyway, it just seems sort of stupid in a way.
2: Yes. Yes. And I, the, the most recent polling, which is from Gallup. Um, shows that nearly 7 in 10 Republican voters want overall immigration reduced. That's a huge swing to supporting immigration reductions. And then there was a 13-point swing in supporting overall reducing immigration um, from swing voters last year, since last year. Um, That's a huge swing in the matter of, you know, six or five months when Gallup last asked this question. Um, and so there is a limit to how much Americans will take in terms of, of, of immigration. And it's, it is showing up in polling. Uh, this is something that is incredibly unpopular and very much caused by the administration. And people really understand that now.
0: Um, John Bender again is with me he covers immigration for us at, at Breitbart and it, the George Bush family met with illegal aliens to promote amnesty uh, they also snub angel families they like meeting with illegal aliens more than they like eating uh, leading with the people who suffer for their uh, uh, crimes um, th- this is not new but why is he still doing this he doesn't need to do any of this isn't he done but he's still doing this
2: <laughs> yeah Well, George W. Bush, Laura Bush um, have entered into sort of this coalition lobbying uh, organization with the U.S. Chamber of Commerce and a handful of the Koch brothers groups. And their primary goal is lobbying Republicans to work with Democrats on an amnesty for illegal aliens and also – Huge expansions to our foreign visa worker programs um, and our legal immigration levels, as if those aren't historically high enough. Um, and so that is the goal. So when, you know, President Bush and First Lady Laura Bush sit down with three illegal aliens who are ro- who are enrolled in DACA, um, that it is to promote that amnesty vision, expansion of of legal immigration. And when I talked to you know when I talked to one of the angel moms, she said something so important. She had lost her son in 2002. Um, an illegal alien killed him, and she said, you know, President Bush was the president at the time. I never got a phone call. I've never sat down with them before. I've never spoken to yeah, no but one you, you from to the legal their aliens all the time.
0: Uh, uh, unfortunately, that's all the time we got, John. Thank you. Thanks a lot to producers Haley and Greg Ebbin for making the show possible. And thanks to all of you who tell everyone you know about the new podcast and about Breitbart.com in general. Thanks for listening, and we'll talk to you tomorrow.